Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Kristen Perch, and I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist in Fort Worth. And praise the Lord, we are rejoined by the glorious Miss Winnie King. Yeah, yes, I'm back. Did I miss you, friend? Oh, my gosh. So much. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I missed you, too. I'm not lying. I did. Based on where I was, I would have loved to have been here. I really would. So where were you? Okay, I went to a conference, and it was in Orlando. And, uh, you know, I've lived in Orlando. I lived in Orlando for, oh, I don't know, 14 years. So, you know, I wasn't paying attention. We were at the conference. I had a flight out on a Wednesday. Um, and then uh, it was supposed to happen, the hurricane, Nicole. Yes. And I'm not paying attention. So I had a flight out on Wednesday. And, of course, what did they do Wednesday? They shut down the airport. Oh, my. You had a flight out on Wednesday. Yeah, but they shut the airport down. Okay. Okay. So, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, man, why? It's just going to be a little wind. Well, as I started to look through everything and saw the radar, I'm, you know, Nicole is covering dang near all of Florida and coming across the state. And we rarely, you know, in Orlando, you rarely get these kind of things because they rarely, they just hit along the coast and they keep, and they bounce off or go up or whatever. But this one came through, baby. I mean, this girl came through. Were you scared? Oh, no, the, and and I wasn't scared. It was just unsettling to hear. Yes. It was unsettling to hear. the The good news is, and what was grateful, what I'm grateful about is that I was stuck at a hotel, a a, a wonderful hotel, <laughs> great with, with three restaurants. And, good, um, you know, and they hoteled their employees, so there wasn't there wasn't even a. a you know, nothing, nothing stopped. Everything was going on. At least I wasn't at the airport. That is very true. At least at I least wasn't at the, the heads airport. up on that. I yeah. agree. I totally agree. And I agree. stayed two extra days and then came here and then, yeah, I missed y'all too. And then I bounced into another conference one day uh, <laughs> between, and I'm like, okay, you know, I used to do this when I was younger. I know now I can't do this. I, I can't do back to back conferences. It's tough. A lot to learn, but I can't do it. It's well, too much. We are. So glad you're back. I'm, I'm grateful to be back, too. <laughs> I love the routine. I love the schedule. Thank you. Yes. I know, but you did well. I don't know about that. Okay. The jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the one in my head. No, your jury is still out. Exactly. Everybody else said you did fine. So anyway. <laughs> well, we are going to talk to Miss Sandy Hennep is executive director of Unbound North Texas, which is a North a nonprofit dedicated to fighting human trafficking and surprise. Uh, supporting survivors. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you. It's so good to be with you ladies today. Boy, Sandy, we have so much to talk about. But let's get to the basics. Tell us what is inbound and how it works, and then we'll just get it all going. That's great. Um, Yeah, so inbound, uh, like you said, Kristen, we're a nonprofit located here in Fort Worth, uh, but we also have four offices internationally and then four others here in Texas. And so Really, our heart at Unbound is to support survivors and resource our community in the fight against human trafficking. Uh, so I can go ahead and break that down now. Go or, for it. Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. So here in 
our North Texas office, we do that through three different lines of effort, and that's through prevention awareness, which looks a lot at going into the school system, really trying to help really equip our our kids early on so that they can be um, prevented from uh, ever being exposed to this, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Our second is really working with survivors, and that's in our survivor advocacy program. Uh, So that's a 24-7, both crisis response and case management and we serve all ages, all genders, and all types of trafficking. So that's both labor and sex trafficking. Um, and then we am really excited about our youth drop-in center. So we started a youth drop-in center uh, right about two years ago, located at One Safe Place. And they are, shout out to them, just phenomenal partners, you guys. And so our drop-in center is housed there. Um, and that's a safe place for kids to come off the streets if they just need a place to rest, get a hot meal, and be resourced with uh, referrals from there. And then our third line of effort is professional development. And so we'll um, go into the community free of charge and do education for nurses, doctors, social workers, really just our frontline workers that um, that really are the eyes and ears in the community. So they know what to look for and really how mm-hmm. to be an advocate for this. So that's what we do. Absolutely. That's amazing. I know part of um, as a physician with the Texas Medical Board, it was a requirement for all physicians in Texas to learn about human trafficking so that we're more aware and things like that. How big of a problem is it, yeah. would you say, in North Texas? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and I think you'll get this um, as a as a doctor, it's really hard for us to pinpoint how, mm-hmm. um, how large the scope is. And I right. think that's for a couple of reasons. Um, I think it's really hard uh, in identification because often victims don't recognize that they are victims. Right. Um, the way trafficking can pose. See, Get surprise. Out of here. Yeah. How do you know how you don't know you're being trafficked? It's a great question. So often um with trafficking, it begins by um someone posing as uh, a boyfriend, a caretaker, that sort of thing. And uh, so often victims can feel um there really is it's a trauma bond, if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where they um, they're connected to their trafficker. And so they're, in essence, doing these things out of uh, care for the trafficker because he's asked this of him or her. And so often, you know, I think it's hard to recognize that they're being victims because there is that connection. So it's not this black and white. Yeah, take uh, them off the street, shove them in totally. a, a, a warehouse or for something sure. and keep yeah. on going. There is a bond and a relationship of some sort that is being developed. Wow. And sometimes there's like recruiters. Well, and that's right. And we'll talk about that a good bit too. So to get back to you on numbers, you're totally good. Um, So there was a study put out by UT Austin a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. And that study um, was able to capture, I think they said about 300,000 victims of trafficking in Texas, 79,000 of which are, are minors. Wow. Get um, out of and we know it's more than that. So here at Unbound, we served 308 survivors just this past year. Wow. Um, our youngest being 12 and our oldest being 52, I think. So again, wow. it's just very broad. Okay. Wait. I wish y'all could see Winnie's face. Okay, <laughs> We're okay, not so advocating it, for videoing this podcast. No, no, never, ever, never. <laughs> okay. So I, okay. And not that I like it or I, I you know, I, I understand the younger. <laughs> But who is the target audience for the geriatric types? I mean, seriously. I mean, honestly. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not going to be in a parking lot being concerned about the van parked next to me. Am I? No. No. But that's not how it starts. 
Okay, that's, that's not how not they how get you thought. trafficking. Okay, get so you, that's not how so you're now, trafficked. Okay, so when I'm on TikTok, they they're luring me from TikTok. How does it happen? Yeah. So um, again, I want to be really careful in this. Of it's a really complex deal, so I want to mm-hmm. not try to yeah, I know. one specific okay. deal. But I think um, we know online recruiting, at least in these current days, is probably one of the highest ways people are recruited into trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a study that said about, four, this was put out by the UN, that about 40% of victims, their uh, trafficking experience started online. And so it's honestly really simple. And it's, again, this is probably all ages, but um, it'll start as somebody posing as, a boyfriend, right? Hey, you're so cute. Do, 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 you know, how much money do you and make? So, yeah. Right. But it, it starts there. What's your credit card number? Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. But it's like, again, when you don't see their picture, you can put, yeah. you can put any picture up there. Yeah. It, yeah. So it, yeah. it starts in yeah. that way. And um, traffickers, I mean, they're crafty. They're crafty. Right. I mean, it's one of the, what I've heard, it's, it's one of the largest criminal industries um, globally. Of course. Because unlike, like the trade of drugs mm-hmm. or weapons, uh, when it's humans involved, they can be used over and over, over again, again. Uh, which is just so, mm-hmm. it's just so impactful. If I actually pause and think about that, you yeah. know, right. you can sell uh, a gun and it's gone. Totally. But I it's gotta a get person. another, but a person I can right. keep selling, keep selling, keep selling. Right. And when there's this, again, this connection of, when there is the trauma bond and that loyalty, then um, these women, men, kids can be used over and over again mm. um, without, yeah, it's like it gets to the point. It begins with just a really simple, hey, you look so cute. Mm-hmm. Can you send me a picture? That sort of thing, too. Um, they're caught in this lifestyle that it's hard to get out of, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then there's all the impact psychologically. We'll talk about all that, I think, later on. But, yeah. So, I'm on social media a lot. And, and there is a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks, a lot of warnings about women, be careful, because be careful when you're at, at Walmart and, you know, don't go out if you're not feeling safe and, and, and don't, don't park next to the van without the windows. And, you know, there's all of this, you know, this man was, you know, he was following me in the store and I, you know, there's a lot of this about feeling like somebody's going to be snatched and run away, right. not having a, a, a relationship developed. Right but more about being snatched totally. and taken. Yep. Um, that's what I see a lot on, on, but I do also see scammers on, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, and, and I think you just hit on probably what's one of the biggest misnomers of trafficking, right? Is it is, it's, I think it's painted as it's the guy in the van that's going to grab your kid at Walmart. Mm-hmm. That's probably the least likely mm-hmm. of how it's going to happen. You know, it can often be family members that will recruit their own kids into trafficking. I mean, I'm sure you've, seen things like that in your work i wish um, i would so, i wish somebody in my family would <laughs> well and it and it's more domestic you know i think often we think it's a a crime against borders where this is just kids being across and it does happen mm-hmm. internationally as mm-hmm. well but um yeah a lot of what we see here is the domestic trafficking where it is um, more of a grooming process starting from something really simple and i think it's this probably this I think the same kids who are at risk of being sexually abused are the same kids that are at risk of being trafficked. So they may not have a trusted adult. They may not have a stable home life or they might have been rejected from their home because maybe they've come out Mm -hmm. as, you know, like in their family rejected them because of their sexual identity or Mm -hmm. 
like all of those yeah. kind of things. And so they're the kids that are, that are at risk for the sexual abuse are also at risk for being trafficked. Like they, the 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 traffickers well, feeling that need that they have. There's a vulnerability with this yeah. child. Yes, and and the gap. Yeah, in their life that this trafficker now can. You know, this is <clears throat> well. I'm old enough to tell you, but I, you know, back in the day, it was it was straight up prostitution. I mean, you felt like you were supposed to be there. At least that's what I've heard from others. But yeah. the pimp, the pimp is the guy. I mean, he's totally. you know he's making it work. Right. And that's what it sounds like to me. Well, and I think you hit on a great distinction, right? Where um, often what's been seen historically as prostitution can often be trafficking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so the, if we look at like what we call the TVPA, so it's the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. The way it defines trafficking is um, any, make sure I rightly say it here, um, any exploitation of somebody for the purpose of labor or sex mm. um, using force, fraud, or coercion. Mm. So whenever force, fraud, or coercion are there, it moves it into the trafficking realm and not just a they're selling their body because that's what they want to do. To do. Because you know? if I wanted who, to do it, I don't, like, need a, I don't need a pimp for that. I can do no, that totally. <laughs> But I'm thinking like... <laughs> make my own money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Right. I know. Yes. I so do it. Yeah. So I think that's often a lot more situation, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm really, who of their own condition right. is really going to want to do that? Uh, to be honest, is yeah. my... Right. No, no, no. There, I right. Agree. And I so I think there's often this forced fraud, coercion piece. And then for minors, um, it's considered trafficking, even if there's not the forced fraud coercion, if it's any commercial sexual act. And so mm -hmm. anytime kids are pulled into that space, be it um, photography mm -hmm. or any exposure of them uh, when it enters into that sexual exploitation is considered trafficking. Mm -hmm. Are the, traf the children who are trafficked, are they, are they kept at home? Does the, the, are they, they're taken away? Usually, I mean, it starts at home. It starts. I, I home, think it's but a maybe, process. It's, yeah. it's not like a, like you're saying. It's not the snatch. It's the. But when you say traffic, it makes me think that you are being taken. You know, eventually you'll be taken away from the house, and they are taking you somewhere. I don't know. That's a great question. I think it's so. I think to your point, it um, starts at home, and then there's also I think kids that are still living at home even while their trafficking's happening. Right? They can be called up by their pimp perform these acts, return back home, uh, and uh, their family uh, uh. may never Ooh. be aware, to be honest. Um, and then we also, I think like Kristen, you said, uh, some of the vulnerabilities we do see are uh, youth that are runaway, youth that mm. are experiencing homelessness. Mm. And I think in that place of vulnerability, traffickers can often at, offer to meet really these basic needs mm -hmm. um, in exchange for. Um, so, but it's, but again, I would, it's, it's not they're chained to something in somebody's basement and that's where the trafficking happens. It happens a lot more in everyday society than I think we, we realize. Um, that's really sad. I mean, you just think about those, you know, the kids right. who don't have a choice. I mean, right. like you said, like no one would volunteer for this. Right. Like no one right. like, Hey, that's what I'm going to do with my life. You know, you go right. ask a fourth grader. That's not what they're going to say. Right. So, you know, it is, it's so traumatic and, you know, we just, in psychiatry, we know the impact that this trauma has. And, right. You know, I just can only imagine the amount of like PTSD, depression, right. you know, substance abuse to tune out all right. that's happened. Mm -hmm. It has to be ast yeah. astronomical. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with the prevention and awareness yeah. piece, you're telling, you're not necessarily telling them about the, the white van. Totally. You, you are 
you were talking about somebody coming into your space really trying to lure. Yes. And and what I love about, and we may hit on this more, but we're partnering uh, right now with Fort Worth ISD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a three-year campaign uh, really to educate students, teachers, counselors. Um, and the curriculum starts at grade five, where it's more just learning about safe people, safe places, learning your own boundaries. Mm. Um, and so probably similar to uh, protection that you would do mm-hmm. against abuse or so really starting young of how to keep your body safe, how to keep your person safe, you mm-hmm. know, and then as they advance into middle school years, obviously it gets more into the technical. Um, but with the, with the littles, it's yeah. just who are safe people, um, safe places, knowing how to keep yourself safe. And what do you do? And what do you do? What yeah. exactly? What do you exactly. do whenever who, someone and who are safe people, right? So like if something does happen, who is that safe person you can go to? And it's okay to do. Right. Because I think a lot of kids are afraid. Yeah. Especially, I think girls are kind of socialized, like not to bug anybody. I don't want to put anybody out. And so, um, yes, please tell us. Yes. We want to know. Yes. I think, I think what's hard is that, you know, kind of whenever you start middle school, whenever you're on social media or really any app or game where someone can communicate with you. Right. You just opened it up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. Right. And it's this cute boy that's like, hey, can mm-hmm. you send me a nude on mm-hmm. whatever? And then it can be used for blackmail, mm-hmm. exploitation, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, all, the, all the things. Right. Mm-hmm. All the things. How so, would you say mental health relates to trafficking? Like what, what kind of things do you see? Yeah, that's a great. Um, yeah, I think the... Uh, I think by nature, because trafficking is so complex in mm-hmm. in the trauma, um, and I think because it is, it's repetitive, it's invasive, it's interpersonal, um, it has significant impact on um, victims psychologically, even physically. You know, I think yes. you're probably familiar of the book, Your Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yeah. Right? And just yes. the physical impact of trauma. And mm-hmm. so... How we'll see that manifest is um, obviously differing degrees. It could be severe anxiety, PTSD. Um, depending on level of trauma, we've seen uh, survivors really struggle with a dissociative disorder mm-hmm. where it's just so intense they have to be able to mm-hmm. disassociate from the person that's been traumatized. Um, but this is where I want to interject the hope piece. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. Because yeah, I think I we need obviously, I'm like, this is just, it's so intense. <laughs> but, you know, I think what's so beautiful about how our minds and how, how our brains are designed, honestly, is they have the power to heal. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's, I'm sure you're familiar with this post, this idea of post-traumatic growth, where um, based on what you've experienced, your body also has this extreme potential for resiliency and overcoming. And so really, you know, with survivors, when they're able to receive trauma-informed, survivor-centered support, be that counseling, uh, case management, wraparound services, there is so much potential not just to, um, to heal, but to be able to overcome and then give back. And so, um, yeah, so I think it's not this gloom and doom. I think it's actually something where, we were talking about this before, but I feel like it's an issue we're more aware of than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily growing more than ever before, but I think we're more aware of it. But because of that, I think there's more resources. I think there's more research. And I think there's, again, something so beautiful about seeing somebody make the steps forward and really, um, really take their life back, see their dignity restored, right? And so I think there's 
for us, as much as um, I think working with survivors is so intense and, you know, the stories that my advocates hear, I, yeah, I just, what they hear and what they engage in every day, um, I don't know if I could do it, honestly, on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have the day, right, where somebody gets a job for the first time wow. or they they buy their first apartment. Uh, they're able to get their kids back from being in conservatorship. I mean, just being able to see the, be with them in this life transformative space. Um, I mean, that will keep you in this work for the long haul. So I think that's it. It's the beauty of seeing resiliency pulled out, the strength in the individual. Um, I could just preach about that. So I'll pause there, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's so horrific and it's, these are overcomers. And I I think that's what I want people to hear is like, that's who they are. Agree with you more. Not, yeah. I can, well, and I, I think so many times whenever you think about someone who's been trafficked, they may come with all of these other things, right? Like they may have 100%. a, sub- they may have like a substance use disorder. And well, so a lot of times I think that they're rejected by society because people don't really want to look at that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so, it's yep. hard. Right. But if you think about what a person had to do yeah. to get out of trafficking, yeah. totally to get yes. a job and yep. get like processing all of that. Tra- I mean, 100%. they are, resilient. I yes. agree with you. Like incredible humans. Yes. And I think that we should do more to support them and not come on. Um, you know, and and not just push them aside or That's ignore so or act like it's not an issue. Is there a real strength about that? Oh, I mean, there's gosh. a real building of muscle. Wow. Yes. Having overcome something like yes. that. I mean, can you imagine? No. I but I would love that. I mean, right. You know, right. the strength, the inner strength you have to have in order right. to to be able to come back yes. from that low low point totally. and then coming up from yep. you know and the resolve right it's yeah. always it's well, all like going back right. is always an option like that mm-hmm. door will always totally. be open for them yep. and the fact that they didn't like that's right. how how do people make that first step like are there common themes <laughs> for that or like like what what like how did like like yeah. when he was saying like how do Gosh. they kind of realize wait i do need to get out of this like this is not good yeah like, how did they realize it? Gosh, great question um so I may answer it technically, and then I'll try to answer it more okay. interpersonally. So um, you guys may be familiar of what's called the stages of change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's something that's pre-contemplative. So which is like, you're not even thinking about change, right? Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. kind of in that pre-phase. Then I think they start moving into the contemplative. So like, um, I think of like what our advocates do. They use something called motivational interviewing, which is, hey, let's imagine another reality. What could that look like? And you just start imagining of what could, what could a different reality look like? And that can kind of help in that contemplative. Mm-hmm. And then you move forward to the place of where you're ready for action. I think there's a few in between. You can yes. really fill me in. Oh, no. It, it, you're, you hit the high points. Those yeah. are right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's not linear, right? And so I think somebody right. could be pre-contemplative one day, mm-hmm. ready for action the next, mm-hmm. and then we vacillate. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's the... Where it starts, at least what I've seen in the helping process is just helping really first meeting people where they're at. You know, like, um, I think, again, I wish I could have my advocates in the room because they're the, they're really the heart of what we do, but they never try to push somebody where beyond where they're at. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's like, hey, I'm still connected to my trafficker, then they won't be like, oh, you've got to leave. There's yeah, a better yeah, way, yeah, you know, because yeah. you can't. You can't move somebody faster than they are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they listen for what are those words of possible change that they could hear, right? What are those places of hope? And then they they help kind of mine those out 
and help people think of, okay, what could a different reality look like? And then how can I help you get there? This is your journey. Oh, that's another thing, y'all. So like when people have had so much power stripped, um, where power can be given back Mm. in the helping process is one of the most beautiful things. Mm. Sure, you see that, right? So it's like, this is your journey. I'm not going to tell you what to do as Mm. your helper. Like I'm just with you in it. You navigate it. And so- I'm going to support you every step along the way. Totally. Yeah. But you've, this has got to be yours. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, there'll be no semblance of power control for me as your helping professional. Because that could be triggering. Right. Because that's what you've experienced, right? So like all the TBR, trauma-informed stuff says, because like when there's been so much wounding in relationship, healing comes through healthy relationships. So I think that's the beauty of what I've seen in advocacy is it's healthy relationship that's helping reaffirm voice, reaffirm dignity. Um, y'all just getting me started. <laughs> I love it though. But I, but think about it too. Like just having that advocate, that trusting relationship, like that is what helps support them moving forward. But also think about how hard it is for that advocate. And every oh. parent has felt this before, mm-hmm. right? Where it's, you know, that if they go back to where really? they were, that things are going to be bad. But the goal we can't prevent that, right? Like we can't make choices for another human. So the goal really is just leaving the door open. Right. So they know they even can come if back. They go back. Even if, even if they you go back. You have to. So I've had my advocates, like <laughs> survivors will call them. Survivors will call them after they've gone back. And the fact that, or we've had kids that have been on the run and who do they call? They call their advocate. And they're like, hey, miss, I'm not going to tell you where I'm at. I want you to know I'm safe. Tell my mom I'm safe. And they're like, all right, so let's talk through how to make you safe where you're at. And then they help safety plan around how do we keep you safe where you're at. But the fact that they know they can call, I mean, that's the, and that's why I love we have a 24-7 line and that thing rings. <laughs> like you can't, you can't bar the door. Right. You want to. We all want to. We're like, don't do it. You yeah, know, do, yeah. but you can't. And then you're reinforcing the whole power control deal. That and they won't come back of, right. whenever they're ready. They won't yeah. be, they won't come back. It's really hard. I mean, this it's sounds really, so really, really familiar. hard. <laughs> like. Domestic abuse. I was just, there's this a lot of so correlations. similar yep. to a woman trying to leave someone who's been abusive and how many times they have to go and come and, and go I think and that's, come and then try to go yep. away. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's it. That we see so many correlations between DV and trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. you nailed it. Mm. I'm smarter than I look. You are so, are you <laughs> kidding? And you, look, and you look so smart. So, I mean. Right. We know that. Wow. <laughs> you know, and you... Um, Kristen used a word trust. How do you, I mean, how does a person develop trust in others? Because now I trusted this person totally. and look what they did to me. Yeah. How do I trust myself so that I know that I'm making the right decisions when I'm developing other relationships? Totally. Yeah. I mean, Chips. <laughs> did that I one. say that? Yeah. That, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's why, um, and again, this isn't all about our work, but I think one thing that's I've seen beautiful in advocacy is it's they hang with people as long as it takes. So it's not a, Ooh. this is a three month program. I have advocates that have been with the same youth for four years. And so it's, it's always being there. And I think to your point, because trust has been eroded by mm-hmm. people they trusted, it's being intentional not to um, ask anything exchange. Hey, I'm here just for you. So mm-hmm. if you want to just, hang out. That's what we're going to do. If you want to, you know, I think it's, it's, you let them 
drive it. And I think it's really slow. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that at our youth center, you know, mm-hmm. where the kids will come in and they're like, yeah. they're waiting for the other shoe to fall off. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is too, why are y'all just feeding me just because. Uh-huh. And so our staff is really intentional to say, Hey, we're asking nothing of you, you know, like here's your choices. Let us know what you need. And, um, you don't like, there's, there's nothing in exchange for what you're receiving. And I think experiencing that time and time again, slowly helps, um, in the rebuilding. But it really makes me concerned about even the advocate. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah. you've dealt with somebody who's in and out and in and out for four totally. years, mm-hmm. how is it that you can continue to do this right. without saying, I can't do it? Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to so, keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's it, right? So like for us, I think it's really important that we make sure that our advocates are taken care of. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I think everybody has their own journey, but um, I can say of all the people that work with us, they all um, have a really strong faith perspective. And so for them, relationship with God and having somebody larger that they can lean into mm-hmm. um, really is a safe place. And I shouldn't say a safe place. It's a, it's a way of releasing all that weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I think making sure they have access to um, like, we have a resiliency group for our advocates between our different offices where they can meet together and yeah. just process um, access to counseling for our staff, yeah. making sure yeah. we have, uh, really good time off policies. I mean, it's yeah, it's from yeah. everything from like uber practical to, um, yeah, I think making sure, and I, I love, um, we had a new director of advocacy that came in a little over a year ago and she was like, hey, I'm more for, I should say more for you guys. I'm just as for you guys and your health than those that you, yeah. And so I'm not gonna like max out your caseload. Um, this is not, uh, at your at your expense, right? right? So how can we be healthy, caring professionals, but it's never can be at the expense of our people. Right. Because so. then you can't do the work. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it can't be all about us or we're all gonna burn out. You know, it's like there's gotta be this place of we do the best we can mm-hmm. and then we've got to again trust the strength in the individual and mm-hmm. their process. And um yeah. But it's hard. I mean, I it's hard. I was a burnout young social worker. Like I'm not, you know, like mm-hmm. my journey started with burnout because I was so involved and I couldn't sleep thinking about my clients at night. And mm-hmm. so so I am probably not the best one to be like, and here's how, you know, but <laughs> but I think because of that, I feel like, man, I've got to learn how to better care for myself, better care you for my to. team. And so yeah, yeah. it's not well, easy. That's what I'll say. It's a long-winded answer to say it's not easy. No, it's it's not easy. And but I'm so glad that you guys do that and recognize that you can only go so far and and you really pay attention to that cuz you can get depleted really fast. But one quick question. Um over the last 2-3 years when we were in the pandemic, did trafficking become affected, effective? <laughs> Was it impacted? Was it impacting? Yeah. What how did the last three years that we've been dealing in craziness yeah. of the pandemic, how did that affect trafficking? I think it's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I statistically, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but I do know um, kind of the trends we see where um, 40%, you know, starts on social media. I mean, kids were on more media. exposed to online social media than ever before. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think there was higher potential of exposure because mm-hmm. of that. Um, and then I, I recently heard something from an educator that I just found fascinating. This isn't research-based yet, but um, they were saying, you know, there was this three-year gap, right, where mm-hmm. a kid would be third grade when COVID started, sixth grade when COVID ends. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll be curious your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. So there's a key developmental phase that kids have missed uh-huh. um, of being socialized. Yes. Okay, so speak to that. This because is real. Okay, Come on it, now. it intrigued me because I was like, okay, they just missed this key developmental phase and how are they now more vulnerable than they may have been? Okay. Well, I, I, I'm just talking about like social immaturity. Totally, yeah. yeah. Like, and I think that the like generations get more and more immature. I, like the, they're like it. Wow. Like, well, I guess I would just say whenever I was growing up, we were like, yes, definitely. We have to get a car yep. and we yep. have to move on. Yep. And we're yep. like, yep. we were more self-sufficient earlier. Yep. yep. And so yep. I think kids are wow. less self-sufficient. Like, like I they have, don't want to even drive a they car. They don't want to drive because they want their parents to, wow. so they can see on their phone. Yeah. And so in wow. our motivation, right, was mm. to go physically see our friends because totally. right. we had yeah. no way to connect with them. Right. right. And so they don't have that anymore. And so they're wow. not, so they're, I think that hmm. because of that, they're a little bit behind the eight ball. And then yes. you throw in COVID yep. where they were not, they were socializing online, which totally. is very different yes. than being in wow. person. And so I do think that third to sixth grade, yep. they really missed right. a lot because they're going from being an elementary student right. to being a middle, middle schooler school. and a mm-hmm. teenager where you know, in elementary school, your parents kind of dictate like your values and what you think, like you kind of absorb that from your family. And when you're in middle school, you get that from your friends. Yes. And then you get some, there's roasting and all these things that kind of like help kids not act a fool and because they don't want to be made fun of. So they miss that. And so I think just talking to teachers and educators and like, like, I think we're behind. Yeah. I think our kiddos are behind. Wow. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah. And so I think, and I, but I I am curious to know, like if kids are growing up and if we're being more conscious as parents to protect them from what's going on and we're more aware Mm -hmm. of like trafficking and these risks and things, are they more savvy Mm -hmm. online than even I am? Because, you know, like I didn't grow up with a smartphone. So I Mm -hmm. think like when my, I'm hoping that when my daughter's 18, like she will be better at it than I am. That will definitely happen. I can guarantee you. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like, how that will all pan out as far as, like, social media awareness and things like that. But it's it's just really hard. And I think also, but I think the kids that are really vulnerable to trafficking are the people with parents who aren't paying attention. I think that. And I think that's a great place for us to camp a bit. Oh, let's do it. Oh, let's camp. Yes. I I, love it. I got a tent. Yep. (laughs) I'm starting to fire right now. My daughter loves me, but also really resents the fact that I know entirely too much. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. No so such she's thing. No so such she's thing. so mad. Like she's just upset that I'm right. not. She's like, my friends can do all these things, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. Yep. That will not happen. So yes, yes. So you are a great mom, and <laughs> yes, <she laughs> it's well, hard. It, yeah. But but it's so funny because so I don't have kids. I just have a niece. But y'all, as soon as I heard some of these statistics mm-hmm. on online safety, you better believe I called my sister and mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. take the phone away. <laughs> and she is oh, yeah. the best mom, and they've done such a good job of like mm-hmm. monitoring and. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen. Shout out to my sister. But what I've seen is since she's been young, they've created this space for open conversation. Yes. Where like there's no off topic, right? You can talk yep. to me about anything, anytime, any day. 
Yep. And there's no shame specifically around topics of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so I honestly, I mean, that sounds, that may sound really simple, but I think Mm-mm. when parents can create Mm-mm. that safe place for having the hard, honest conversations, I think that's where it starts because when shame comes in, right? If a kid sees something online or mm-hmm. whatever, that's where it can get more secretive. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are exposed to pornography younger than ever mm-hmm. before. But if there can be a safe place for parents to just have those conversations. So as a parent, you just taking that step of just, Mm -hmm. hey, whatever you talk about, whenever Mm -hmm. you want, there's no consequence, no shame. No reaction. No reaction. No reaction. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, what? You know? Yeah, now there you go. Right. (laughs) But I think having that is one of the hugest lines of defense because Mm -hmm. the deal is like as much as we want to protect our kids. Yeah. They live in this high technology world. So as parents, right, the role is to help them navigate that space, not protect them from it. Because Mm -hmm. you can't. You can't. School's online. But if you can help them navigate it, how beautiful, right? Because they're going in that journey anyway. So might as well jump on. Yes. Strap in and and help them. And and again, there's more resources than ever before. So like you can help monitor Mm -hmm. in an age appropriate way, you know, like you don't want to keep them from having a foot until they're 18. <laughs> but right. Like, but, but if you can help like put the right checks in and yes, exactly. limit their online exposure, I mean, simple things I've seen parents do is, Hey, you can't take the phone at night. Well, I was just oh about to say, don't, Please you're do. not allowed to take your phone into your bedroom at night. Dr. Dr. Pierce, Dr. Right Pearson here. said, uh-huh. and Dr. Perch, yes. uh-huh. he said, don't you do it. But it's, that's such a simple <laughs> deal. Charge it in the hallway Charge where, I, where yes. I can see it. Right. But that sounds so simple, but that right there mm, huge. It is. is huge, you know? Yeah. And so little things that feel really little like that mm-hmm. go a long way because you're just helping create that environment where it's like the internet isn't the enemy, but how do we rightly navigate in a how safe do you way? Do it safely. How do we do it safely? I know. Um, there's great resources out there. Um, on a website called Thorn, it's t h o r n dot org. Uh huh. Okay, you're familiar. So they I do. am, but different things. But okay, oh, go okay. ahead. So yeah, they have all kinds of resources on there of how to talk to your kids about online safety. How to, it's just it, it's resourceful for parents. So if you're looking for a resource, that could be a great website to start with. Um, Ashton Kutcher started it. Oh, no way! And I, I learned didn't know it. That. Yeah, he Serious. did. And I learned it because he did a Peloton run. And so, and no. he's like talking about it. And I was really? like, look at you. Are you Ashton. serious? I'm not kidding. I, I'm, no. not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Yeah. And he'll have okay. a celebrity friend on and they talk about it together. It's Stop. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Like, let's wow. get him on the podcast. Ashton, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll take come you. talk to us. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's you. good. That is really good. Wow. Yes. So, so and I'll, parents also, don't be fearful. Feel empowered. Mm-hmm. You can do things. Again, mm-hmm. just parents being intentional. Yes. You're a huge steps ahead mm-hmm. in helping keep your kids safe. Also, if you give your kid a phone or a tablet from the jump, it comes with stipulations. Yeah, They do not have a right to this. Well, they cannot good. put a password on it that you cannot get at any time. You can take that phone and look at it until they're like 16, 17 and they're about to leave the house, right? But like you have the ability to look because some parents don't realize that. Right. They don't, they're like, I can't do it. Or right. my kid locked me out of my phone. I'm like, no, no, no. Wow. <laughs> like you can't. No, 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 no. No such thing. Like no. you need. Because yeah. no. that kid has access to everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything. Wow. Everything. So don't, don't do that. Not allowed. Wow. Tell us about your partnership with Fort Worth ISD. Yes. Okay. We love Fort Worth ISD. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out Fort Worth ISD. Okay. So we, it was really cool. We received a three-year grant with Fort Worth ISD. They were one of eight 
schools, uh, public schools mm-hmm. in the country that received a, a grant from Department of Health and Human Services. Mm-hmm. And it's a three-year grant targeted at really educating and equipping the whole school district. So not a small task. Um, right. But what's so beautiful about this partnership is uh, it looks to educate teachers, counselors, and students, but it equips them where they can continue the education after the grant. And so that's one of the key pieces is getting in, again, starting grade five through 12, um, safe people, safe places, and again, age appropriate. And then one of the other things that has come out of uh, this work with Fort Worth ISD is they've established a school safety protocol, Hmm. um, which has also been recognized at a national level. Hmm. Fort Worth ISD, way to go. Um, And so that's really working to create um, just a safety protocol to be rolled out within schools within Fort Worth ISD. That's amazing. So Good. that's what we do. Do you work with us much? We Cook do. Children's? We do. Shout out to Stacey Henley. So oh. she's on, um, her and I work together on both an advisory council that works to just ensure holistic care of mm. kiddos here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's also part of a victim service subcommittee. And then Cooks is also part of an outreach subcommittee. Um, so we have a task force Um it's a partnership with the sheriff's office. I'll just give all the shout outs today. Okay. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but, but it takes a village. Okay, it well, does. that's it. And I think, okay, so you guys like, so I, I've been out of Fort Worth um, eight years before at this job. So I was living abroad, came back and I've been here just a little over two years and it's a unique community. Yeah. Like the law enforcement, prosecution, yes. healthcare yes. providers, yes. educators. I'm like... What's been we're beautiful circling for me. the wagons well, here. But we do. And so when we all come together at the table, we're having these conversations about, okay, how do we each bring our expertise? Mm. How do we support each other? And how do we actually move this needle forward? Mm. And I think we're doing it better than we ever have, right. honestly. So it's amazing. Good for you. That Good is amazing. Us. Good for yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we love cooks. Yeah, 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 yeah we do too. <laughs> and we're just so glad you do that. Because I, so in psychiatry on occasion, we'll get a there'll be a consult for yeah. like this kid, yep. you know, has come in with these like myriad of concerns and yeah. they're not opening up. They're very shut down. And so like, like you're saying, like having the village, having yep. the sheriff's department come in, having like child abuse or like having our care team come in, like we need all of those things to wow. help protect kiddos. Cause yes. it's really hard. Yes. Like what, it, like we, like what happens when they leave the hospital? So I'm just right. glad that there's a safe place for them to land. So I'm really grateful. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Um, thank you guys. Thank you all for your heart. It's very clear. Y'all's love for kids, your love for the community. Yeah. And I just appreciate what you're doing, even in this podcast of oh. just um, being really. silly. <laughs> we are our best, right? Yeah, we, we we're do. trying to raise we joy. Do. We do. Okay. We, we, are. we have a little tradition oh. where we say one thing that we're thankful for. Okay. Especially after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So okay. tell us what's something you're thankful for. Oh. Grateful. Yeah, I think, um, and I have a, I have a, a pretty great family. Yeah. Um, so honestly, like I, so I think I told you guys, I lived abroad the last eight years and I think I've just kind of been more nomadic. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and in that my family's been uh, the most consistent presence. And so, you know, um, I've got a great mom that's been the faithful, loving mom all X number of years of my life. Yeah. Love that. We'll say X number. Uh, <laughs> you can I've join our 39 again. Cool. Uh, I've got a great brother, a great younger sister, you know, and I think honestly, they, um, they really are a safe place for me. And mm. so, um, yeah, I just feel even, 
I think having lived overseas where family wasn't right there, I think coming back to the States, I'm like, How much I never want to take this yeah. for granted. You know yeah. what I mean? That's awesome. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm going to go see them in a few days in Colorado. Yeah. So that's where Yay. my mom lives. And so I think just, again, feel even more thankful. Um, yeah. As the days approach just for time with them. So wow. that is Wonderful. amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. How about you guys? I am grateful for our pediatricians, nurses, ER docs, specialists, hospitalists, everyone who is seeing children right mm. now. Mm -hmm. wow. um, it, mm. I have never in my life seen so many high mm. census alerts. So mm. Cook is like literally bursting at the seams, yeah. like opening yeah. new units to be able to house all of the kids that need help. And so I, I worry about everyone. Everyone, everyone, like yeah. just their burnout and right. things like that. I mean, like taking care of the physical needs of people. So, shout out to all of you. I know you're tired, and I hope you get a break. Wow. Yeah, yep. Well, as long as we're going to be along those lines, um, I'm grateful for my team. Um, we just opened up a new hospital up in Prosper, um, and my team worked tirelessly just to help that opening. I know that there were a whole lot of other people I could, I could say wonderful things about, but Jeff, Laura, Elena, um, uh, Kim, um, uh, your God, your God, Bibi's godmother, <laughs> Sydney, Sydney, Bibi's godmother, Maisha, Tracy. I mean, uh, I, I have probably the most incredible high performing mm -hmm. incredible team i i best. can't wow. say enough wow. about them this podcast my team uh the launch my team the social media external media i it, i could I go see on everywhere and i'm like yeah. wait we have a pot how do yeah. you do it yeah. all yeah like it's well, a they big are question just, for me they're a compassionate and passionate enthusiastic group of people and i've never worked with a great a, a, a group of prof professionals like this ever. Wow. And I'm old and crusty and I've what? worked with a lot of people, <laughs> but this probably is the most high performing team I've ever had. And they have a heart mm -hmm. for this work. This is not about a job or a wow. career. Mm -hmm. yep. This is about, we know that we're supporting the work of those who really do totally. the work. Wow. Like this young woman here, we support <laughs> wow. her and we do that with love and we want to do everything we can to make it easier for them. So um, shout out to my incredible yeah. team. Well, then I want to give a shout out to my team too. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. I already told you all how great it. they are, but like really, yeah. you guys, no, really. like they are like laying down their life yes. and they're doing it because they feel called to it. You know, yes. it's like, yes. it's hard, hard work, work and they, and they show up every day every with day. excellence and are all in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I hear you. Like, yeah. I don't feel like I could ask for a stronger team of leaders, a stronger team yeah. of yeah. Those Not are a on the week, front one lines. Among them. No, well, that's mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, and we're a team of 25 now. So yeah, when yeah. I started, we were eight. We've grown from eight to 25 in the last two years, yeah. and they are phenomenal humans. Yeah. So yeah. I had to give yeah. them a shout out. Yes. Yeah. They're incredible. There you go. There well, you thank go. you guys for listening to Raising Joy. We hope that you're grateful. Um, and until next time, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.